Amen. Thank you very much, choir. So, I woke up this week thinking that this weekend was Memorial Day. Found out it was Labor Day, but I'm still preaching on Memorial Day. There are certain things that I was always taught to remember on Memorial Day. It's a day in which we are supposed to remember things. But quite frankly, every day we should remember certain things. God set up Memorial Days and memorials as well. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Exodus 3:15, second book of your Bible. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. It says, the Lord God, and Lord is all in capitals. You notice that because it was the translation of the name Yahweh, what we often read of as Jehovah. This is his name, and he says it's a memorial for every generation. You realize when the children of Israel left Egypt, wandered 40 years in the desert, and they finally crossed the Jordan at flood stage, and God put his hand in there. After everybody had passed, and the Ark of the Covenant and the priests, they stepped into the river, and the river stopped. You know, oftentimes we're just afraid to step into the water and do what God has told us to do. But God stopped the flood and the river backed up and the Ark of the Covenant with the priest standing there stood there in the midst of the river bed until all the children of Israel had passed over into the land of Israel. And then they sent back some men and they said, pick up 12 stones out of the riverbed. And they took them out of the river and at the place where they crossed, they put up a memorial. Remember this place, these 12 stones were built into a monument to remind them that that's where they had crossed the river. Where they crossed the Red Sea, they erected, Solomon erected a monument at that place uh, to remind the children of Israel, this is where you crossed the Red Sea. Um, monuments, memorials. Sometimes it's necessary for us to just put down some stones and remember. Up to this point, God has brought us so far. This is a memorial. But what are we remembering today? Well, let's go back and remember a few things from the past. We are supposed to remember 
those that died that we might have freedom. You know, it's heartbreaking to me when I see the pictures of those 13 servicemen who died. And I think it could have been any one of us. 13 men who was, whose job was to be there to get Americans out of harm's way and to make sure that our country remains free. But it's beyond them when we remember all the men that gave their lives in Afghanistan and forget more than 3,000 people who died at the hands of a really evil nation on September 11. We need to remember why we're here. There are men whose love for freedom of other people meant more than their own life. These to me are real heroes. My dad, who was twice decorated with the Purple Heart, but even beyond my dad, men that never came home, that we might be a country and a free country still. John wrote that Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love. There is no greater love. One of my favorite hymns, there is no greater love than that of Christ above. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Ronald Reagan said, I have had students sometimes ask me if there is really such a great difference between our two systems, re referring to the United States and the Soviet Union. They say they have read the Soviet Constitution and their laws and found frequent use of the words freedom and justice, the right of free speech, which we often take for granted is mentioned too. But there is a difference between our two constitutions. The difference is so subtle, we often do overlook it. But it is so great, it tells the entire story. Their constitution says, government grants these rights. Our constitution says, we, the people, are born with these rights and no government can take them from us. Our constitutional rights were granted by God. We hold these truths to be self-evident that the Declaration of Independence says that all men are created equal, not evolved equal. You don't evolve equal. Monkeys did not evolve equal to human beings. Dogs did not evolve equal. A big dog is never equal to a small chihuahua. Amen? 
evolution does not grant us certain inalienable rights. They were granted according to the Declaration of Independence by a creator who created us in his own image. Since our freedoms, folks, cost someone his life. We were to reflect on the high cost of freedom because ultimately our freedom goes back to the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life that we might be free from slavery. I reflect on the high cost of my freedom. That freedom was given to me by God. You see, real human rights are divine rights. They're the rights that God gave us, not the rights that government gives us, just as Reagan said. God gave us the right to life. Who gave us the right to abortion? They talk today about abortion rights. Who granted that right? Where do you find that in your Bible? If indeed the framers of the Constitution and Thomas Jefferson, who's by most scholars credited with writing the Declaration of Independence, if these men believed, as they say they did, that government is there to respect our rights, not to grant us rights, that God granted us rights that are inalienable. They can't be taken away by government. Then folks, we're in serious trouble when we begin to define rights as something that government gives you. The right to abortion, the right to economical housing. Where did God ever give us that right? We're on a very bad, inclined, slippery slope when we allow government to tell us what your right is. It's your right to go to the supermarket if you have a mask on. It's your right to go to work if you've had a COVID-19 injection. And folks, you know that I had the vaccine and would recommend it to anyone. Okay. But I'm not going to be a rebel and not take the vaccine just because my government tells me that I should have it. That's being rebellious beyond measure. 
I will use what abilities science has given us to counteract any disease, which if they came up with a vaccine for cancer tomorrow, I'd be the first in line to take it. I have seen the devastating effects of cancer. No, I'm opposed to a government mandate, but I'm not opposed to using some good sense. Rights. Rights are those which God gave us. I have those rights because they were given by God. Since our freedom costs someone his life, we are to always reflect on the high cost of freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, Galatians 5.1, stand fast. Now, do you notice that? It doesn't say be blown over by the first wind. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. The Jewish people every year celebrate a certain holiday. It's called Pesach, Passover. That every year we have to remember that we're free only because God made us free. He took us out of slavery. He forbid us to ever go back to Egypt. When my tour group of Israel had a day, uh, two days actually, that they were going to spend in Egypt looking at the pyramids, I said, you know something? My forefathers built those. Forget it. God said, don't go back. I'm not going back to Egypt. But it was beyond going back to a physical place. It also meant don't ever go back to where you accept free food at the price of your freedom. Free food is no substitute for freedom. I'd rather suffer the consequences of having to work even in my physical condition rather than accepting a government handout. Because government never gives us anything for free. There's always a price of slavery with it. Since our freedom was won and maintained at the high cost of someone's life, we were to consider it a sacred trust. Do you realize that for thousands of years, people died who disagreed with government? Our Baptist forefathers for thousands of years were persecuted 
The Inquisition is only the most recent reminder of what we've been through to obtain freedom. How petty today when someone says that it is a denial of their rights to have someone read the Bible or pray in public. One of our men, and I thank God that he did this, went out on Saturday. I think two actually went out, but one of them reported back to me at least um, that they were going door to door and they went into a certain place and started talking about getting saved lest you go to hell. And the person said, come with me. Took him outside and said, we don't talk about that in public. And then he went back inside. You realize what you're saying? The public space is only available to the devil, not to God. Well, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's not only your right, it's a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That isn't just your right. It's a divine command. It's something we were told to do. You don't like the way things are? Start resisting the devil. Instead of fleeing from the devil, the Bible says if you resist him steadfast in the faith, he will flee from you. We're too bound up in this woke generation that thinks that they can silence us just by telling us that they have a right for you not to speak. No, freedom of speech, which by the way, the first 10 amendments were written by a Baptist pastor from the state of Virginia. Um, Freedom of speech included freedom of religion, freedom of worship, freedom to do what God said, this do in remembrance of me. And folks, we're not going to let the devil have the victory. We're going to do what God has told us to do, to assemble ourselves together, to remember him to do what he's told us to do. That's freedom. And freedom cannot be maintained by fleeing from the devil. It's maintained by standing up to him, resisting him in the faith, and let him flee from us. Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Yes. It's not what my flesh wants. It's what God commands. 
because my liberty comes from him. Galatians again, chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. Galatians 2, 4. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Folks, the Bible gives us specific things that we're to do. Specific things that we're to face, memorials that we're to set up. Set up that pile of stones and say, Ebenezer, God has brought us up to this point, and there's no turning back. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. Verses 8 to 10. 2 Samuel 23, 8 to 10. I love this entire chapter. It's great. But in 2 Samuel 23, 8, it says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. You know something? David didn't have to. He went out alone against Goliath. But after that, God raised up some men who stood with David. Mighty men, it calls them. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Hey, <laughs> uh, let me just ask you, if all you have is a spear in your hand and you're taking on 800, do you realize this isn't like a sword, right? You've got to really be agile. With a sword, you can start swinging it around and, you know, maybe cut a few people's throats and so forth. But you have 800 men all coming at you. And all you have is a spear. You can only kill one at a time. It's not like a machine gun, right? You put a spear in this guy, you pull it out. And you've got 799 still trying to kill you. And you hit this guy with a spear. It's got to be one at a time. And this man took on an army of 800 with nothing but a spear. No wonder the Bible calls him a mighty man. Verse 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, an Alite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. You got the entire Philistine army coming at you and you're standing there and all 
of your comrades in arms say, let's get out of here. And they all run. What are you going to do? Well, I can tell you what he did. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. He stood all by himself with a sword in his hand. He fought so long and so hard all by himself that later he couldn't open his hand. His hand was stuck to his sword. You ever had that happen? I used to have it happen with frequency. Um, when I'd be using a hammer or something and you're hammering and hammering and after a while all of a sudden you want to set the hammer down and your hand is stuck to the hammer. His hand stuck to the sword. They had to come and peel his fingers one at a time off of the sword. He stood his ground. He wasn't like the rest of his comrades who all fled. He stood his ground. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand cleaved to the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. The rest of the army of Israel, when they saw that the battle was over, all day long he's out there fighting with his sword and destroyed the enemy. And when they saw that the enemy was all killed, they went and picked up all the goods that the enemy left. Yeah. Is it any wonder that they called this man one of David's three great men? His mighty men? Real heroes are men that learn to trust God. Real heroes are the ones that stand against the wiles of the devil and having done all to stand. We are supposed to remember those who died that we might be independent and a sovereign nation. It was called the Declaration of Independence, not the Woke Declaration, not the Declaration of Peace. It was the Declaration of Independence. Men fought and died so as not to be a part of any worldwide empire. They wanted to be free and an independent state. In Acts chapter 17, God speaks in that kind of terminology. Acts 17 verses 24 to 26. 
Acts 17, 24 to 26. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, made of one blood. Um, that was Adam's blood. It was also Noah's blood, where the world again was reduced down to Noah and his wife, and then through them, their three sons and the three wives of Noah's three sons. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Who set up the national boundaries of the United States of America? Well, that was God. Who set up the time that we would endure as a nation? That was also God. We're to remember that God set up independent nations. When mankind had set up a world government, God sent a barrier to prevent that. Languages, the Tower of Babel. And he dispersed men throughout the world. Our job now is not to bring all men back together. Our job is to reach them with the gospel message. To see churches grow and go forward, uh, preaching the truth of the word of God. Men fought and died for that ideal. And we should still maintain that what they died for, for us to be an independent nation that was able to govern itself is still an ideal worth living for and dying for. Yes, the Pledge of Allegiance says one nation under God. Amen? Amen. It's not one nation under government. It's one nation under God. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Verses 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. 
upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We are supposed to remember those who fought and died for high ideals. John Adams, second president of the United States and one of the founding fathers, wrote, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled, unbridled by morality and religion, avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern for the government of any other. Let me say, peace could only be the outcome, therefore, of what is morally right, not the outcome of surrender. Patrick Henry, one of my favorite of the founding fathers, you probably have only ever heard, give me liberty or give me death. But spending my early childhood in the state of Virginia, we had to memorize a lot of things that Patrick Henry said. Patrick Henry said, bad men cannot make good citizens. It is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. A vitiated state of morals, a corrupted public conscience are incompatible with freedom. When we forget our morals, when we forget our God, tyrants forge their chains. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 13 to 16, Hebrews 12, 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Uh, you know what modern politics is based on, it's based on bitterness. 
they foment bitterness. They get people to go out and blow up buildings, burn them down, loot them and everything else. Because they say, they mistreated me, now I'm going to mistreat them. That's bitterness. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Let me tell you, my birthright is not for sale. What God gave me, my rights through birth, are not negotiable. These are things worth dying for. And let me tell you, peace can only be sought when you've won the war. Any other kind of peace is called surrender. You must win before you can have peace. George Washington. Now I know you all know this, but I'm saying this for the sake of somebody who may be watching us on the internet, who doesn't know who George Washington was, and maybe thinks that he was the past pastor of our church. George Washington was the first president of the United States under the Constitution. Yes, we did have presidents under the Articles of Confederation um, that we don't count as presidents under the Constitution. George Washington said, the thing that separates the American Christian from every other person on earth is that he would rather die on his feet than live on his knees. Yeah. Joshua chapter 11 put it a different way. Joshua 11, verses 18 to 20. Joshua 11, 18 to 20. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. Uh, all other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that he might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. Peace was considered to be the result of victory. It was the result of fighting for what was right. It was for that reason that we must maintain that we're fighting for a cause that is just and right according to God. We're not going to follow the dictates of man. We're going to follow 
as best we can what God has told us in his word. Winston Churchill, now he's the first one today that I've quoted, that I'm going to quote, that was not an American. But this man really represented a lot of things that I hold dear. He was an Englishman, Prime Minister of England during World War II. Winston Churchill said, if you will not fight for the right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory will be sure and not so costly, you may come to the moment when you have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may be a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no chance of victory because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. When England thought they had no chance of winning, Winston Churchill made that statement. He was right then and he's still right today. This is not a time for surrender. It's a time to stand true to the word of God, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. First Samuel 17, excuse me, first Samuel seven, verse 13. 1 Samuel 7, verses 13 to 14. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron, even unto Gath. And the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. We're supposed to remember when we say memorial. Our war dead. I remember my own father who was twice given the Purple Heart and did not die in battle. Thankfully, because I'm here today, because he didn't. But men, who have loved liberty more than they love their own lives. This weekend, many people think of it as nothing more than a three-day weekend, which marks the end of summer. But to me, this weekend means a lot more.
means the job isn't done yet. And it means that we have to put our lives on the line to see the world hear a clear testimony of the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you now for this opportunity we have had. Use it, I pray, within our hearts and lives and challenge us today to serve you in a greater way, to maintain the liberty, to stand against the wiles of the devil and have him flee from us. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.